Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, welcome to Going Off Track. Hey! I'm Jonah. I'm Brad. And together we are... The jo- dynamic, dynamic something. something. <laughs> um, not very dynamic this morning, No, buddy. not very dynamic, but um, we got the Stumptown Coffee Brewing here at Converse Rubber Tracks. Yeah. We're going to sound like... He- nice double... <laughs> Luckily for double you, props, we didn't tape this podcast today, so we will be coherent. <laughs> um but yeah, today, very exciting podcast This today. is a great podcast. I did sit in on this yes, one. Yes, Brad was in this obviously, one. Obviously, because it's, I knew it would be awesome. I've interviewed this person so many times that I don't totally remember what we talked about during this podcast. And it was a little while back that we did it. but um, It was a while ago, but um, yeah, today on the podcast. I think we talk about baking. Baking? Muffins. I'm just kidding. We probably talk about weed. I interviewed, because I... Today's guest, uh, I don't know why I'm not, I'm like saying it's like a secret, you clicked on this. Uh, today's guest, Laura Jane Grace, she's amazing, um, been trying to get her on the podcast for so long, and uh, I interviewed her for High Times, which was awesome, although I missed a photo shoot, which was a real bummer, because I was out of town. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, Laura came by, I've been trying to get her to come by for so long, um, it was very sweet of her to make time, and she came by. To just talk music, life, trans stuff, and her and uh, Dan Ozzy, who often uh, guests hosts a podcast, wrote a book together. And it's um, her memoir. It's called Tranny, Confessions of Punk Rock's Most Infamous Anarchist Sellout. <laughs> and it comes out on November 15th via Hatchet, um, which is, I haven't read it yet, but I'm sure it's amazing. And uh, hopefully we can uh, do something with her and Dan in the future because they're both cool people well laura's cool um anyways so yeah if you're not familiar with against me um they've been a band for forever transgender dysphoria blues came out um 2014 one of the i think the best punk records in a long time and i looks like they're recording now or finishing recording so expect some new music from against me soon and yeah anything to add brad uh no i mean this podcast will definitely speak for itself yes it'll speak for itself um so, Unless you want to go ahead and speak for it. Nope, I don't. I'm <laughs> going to stop talking so you can listen to uh, Laura Jane Grace on Going Off Track. It's going off track! So, Laura, when you started recording yourself, were you doing like four-track, cassette? A four-track, cassette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. 
and I was terrified of uh, the over overdubbing function. So it I was just never, like, I was one shot. Like, here we go. Yeah, it was like you can bounce this. I was like, I no, can't no, no, do no, anything. No. I can, yeah, I got four checks to work with, and that's <laughs> yeah, it. That's it. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good ex- exercise and restraint. Yeah. yeah, but we did like ADAT after that. Yeah, so Rob McGregor in Gainesville did forever. You know, and even that for like setting up a punch, it was like, okay, when you want to punch. Clap your hands, and when you want to punch out, oh, yeah, clap your hands, yeah, and I'll set yeah. it. You know, like, I remember oh, that. Right. Oh shit! I remember that. You're like, okay, play, play. Eight <laughs> ads. I remember like the the worst thing about recording in that time was like, I was like, how much does a fucking eight ad cost? The new one. I'm like, we got to spend thirty five bucks on this thing. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Well, yeah. it wasn't two inch tape, dude. Which yeah. is oh, even 50. worse. Have, have any Have any of you read the book Perfecting Sound Forever? No, no, never heard I'm of aware it. of it. I should, I should read it. It really like is a comprehensive walkthrough of recording history really? and like how <laughs> one trend beget the other trend and everything like that. And it, it like it goes into like kind of weird Neil Youngy like kind of K holes talking about like audiophiles and stuff like that. And some that you really wouldn't have thought of, like Thomas Edison with the Edison cylinders. He was like one of the original hipster audiophiles where he was like, no, Edison cylinders are the premium thing to listen to music on. If you like right. vinyl, you're 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 a loser you know? if you like, don't have. Edison cylinders. <laughs> totally, totally. That's hipster. amazing. I, uh, I, I um, think about all the time, like the way people listen to like home music because of that and how um, back in the day, I can't imagine the quality of what people were listening to and how good they thought it was. Mm-hmm. And it was that good at the time. And maybe it's gotten like, it's too good. Like too clean, too crisp, where it doesn't sound real anymore. Even to the point with drums, like I used to think there was a lot to the fact that, like, oh, I'm playing real drums, and real mm-hmm. drums sound different than fake drums, and blah blah blah. <laughs> and they don't really anymore. <laughs> They're pretty fucking similar, you know what I mean? And yeah, like, sure. that's part of the reason I'm sitting here doing a podcast because I gotta find a fucking other industry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a dinosaur. You know Betty's doing mean? a free podcast right now. Yeah, oh, I don't, yeah. I got I'm, a bagel. I'm pretending yeah, I don't have bagel. drum machine apps on my cell phone right now that I've recently demoed songs along to or anything. <laughs> no, so. no, I know it's like a thing. And I used to be like, a couple years ago, I was like, nah, it sounds like shit. Loops sound like shit. You can't do this. And then like a year ago, I'm like. That's that's not a real drummer. I'm like, fuck. That sucks. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things like I really have always like uh, taken a lot of like comfort in writing lyrics with is knowing like, okay, no matter what, like, you know, no matter what kind of like audio CGI happens here, like I know I wrote those lyrics and I know the emotions behind the lyrics are are like 100% pure, you know? Sure. Yeah. It's odd. It's like, it's like when pro tools took over and and the complete digitizing of music where i mean you've you've been in pro tools based studios where they literally will take a live drum track separate every cymbal from every snare from every kick you know put it on a map and stuff like this i mean i have to fight people constantly to not do this right you know and um the idea like if you're gonna go ahead and do that why are you even fucking with real drums Sure. Just program it. Right, yeah. Then Uh you're skipping, like, you'll save thousands of dollars on a drummer on taking this original track and cutting it up if you just fucking program it. Don't even have to throw up mics. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I don't know. If you've ever looked over the shoulder of, like, a speed metal session, it's there is absolutely no reason not to use a drum machine because they do, they just loop everything. 
they get they get like one little you know two bar section of the verse then the, the engineer goes in and literally tightens every single fucking beat up so that it's like it is like a drum machine right right and then they and then they copy paste it so on the ancillary of that like you have a badass drummer yes you have like one of the better drummers rock drummers that there are not even like i love appreciate and respect yeah. the, the fuck out of my a drummer badass <laughs> drummer yeah. so like after my self-deprecating diatribe against drummers i just had <laughs> like save us a little like why is adam so important to your music um you know like i always really compare like uh drummers to like driving different cars um i don't know if anyone it's nice yeah, sorry, I don't mean <laughs> to, like sweet. i hope that that's, that's really fine sweet. with you yeah, you're a I really nice car Benny, just right? so, um, but like you know cars handle in different ways and you got to get used to the way they drive or whatever and like you know adam when he plays live he plays to a click but he has the ability to not be tied to it to speed sure. up and still have the emotion you know and like and and put the dips and valleys in there that need to be there and just hits really fucking hard, you know? And um, I don't know, you know, a lot of it to me is like a, is like a, a more of a mental connection thing too of like someone being able to predict what needs mm -hmm. to happen next or with songwriting for me where like I'll come in with like a, a, a framework of a song and be like this and I need someone to immediately be like yes and then if I'm like no 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 try that a little different for them to be able to adapt I can't have it be like a oh well I really got to go and take some personal time and think about this and I'll come back to you with a beat after a right, couple right, days right. like I need immediate response sure. and an immediate rapport like to me that's I think a lot of it has to do with having started playing in punk bands playing bass is that like I still look at their electric guitars as a rhythmic thing and a percussive thing sure well, yeah, I think I think that gets to a point in a drummer's life, too, where you start to understand that, especially for like a rock drummer, somebody like Adam or I like I don't think like you need to understand the fact that you're servicing songs at some point. Mm -hmm. And the idea that like your beat is like completely dictating the outcome of the song. Once you get into a certain level of drums, like you're not going to have a job for long. If you hold on to that attitude, if you're not sure. able to let it go and you're not able to work with people like that. But that goes all around like that. Everyone should be there to serve the song that sure. it's about the song, because like chord structures are just as generic as drum beats when it comes down to it. You know, like you can only do so many different combinations, especially working within the rock and roll genre of like it's going to be G to D to C. It's just going to be that <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, at some yeah. point like. Um, I don't know. You really have to abandon. Everyone kind of has to like abandon pride, except for the lyrics, as they're untouchable. Nobody tell me how to write lyrics. So. I mean, when it comes against me, since it kind of started as your own thing and kind of evolved in this band, I mean, how much of the writing process is like you come with the song, you're like, it'd be cool if you did something like this, or you did something like this, or is it more like I want to do this? Like, how much of the parts outside of guitar and vocals are sort of in your head when you're writing most of the time all of it yeah you know and like uh, and to much to adam's like annoyance i'm sure where like i make demos with a drum machine where it's just like one not even programming in fills just like one linear beat <laughs> you know and um just being like this is kind of how i hear it you know but i'm totally flexible if someone can come up with a better idea right it's just like i never want to show up with no ideas i always want to be like because that's 
the in the past that used to be like where we'd hit the walls that we'd get into a practice room and it'd be like does anyone have any ideas and no would be the answer <laughs> yeah. so then it was like okay i gotta come with some ideas and it, and if someone's not going to be coming up with stuff i gotta have something i can at least suggest or a direction to he- like push them in you know um and and that like oftentimes does lead to like people like having egos about stuff but it gets easier as you get older yeah you know? i mean i think in fairness to like you know, I've I've gotten into the same thing and I've come from both worlds, like where I wrote songs with people, five people sitting in a room constructing a song to where recently I've written songs exactly the way you're talking about working off pretty like pretty mapped out demos. You know right. what I mean? Stuff with beats and stuff like that. And I do think there's something to say for like if you listen to something like 15 times, you're listening to your own demo and you're hearing this beat, like, I think even though you'd like to stay flexible, like, you get married to it. Demoitis. Yeah, yeah sure. like, mm-hmm. like where you're, you hear a snare on, on this melody now, and you hear it right here, and you hear this, and once it deviates, I don't think you could go too far off without fucking up your idea. It's pretty hard In most to. cases, yeah, yeah, for sure. But then again, like, talking, you know, like, that's one of the great things with Adam, where I can come... And, like, come up with something on the spot. Be like, this. And it'll be like, there. That was a song. We just did right. that. That happened. That was magic. And that's the magic you want in rock and roll. But that has not been the relationship I've had with every drummer that sure. I've played with, you know? And and really, like, that is the most important relationship that I look for in a band, you know? Like, is, is that connection with the drummer. But also Adam's personality. Like, I feel like I met that dude, like, twice. And I felt like we were, like, had been friends our whole lives. Like, he's such a, like, a genuine, friendly, fun to be around dude. Right. There's a common language for yeah. sure, too. You know, yeah. And, I mean, a lot of that's, like, bad puns. Yes. And, like, oh, sarcasm. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. You know like, yeah. he's got a great comedic sensibility, I gotta say. Right. Yeah. yeah, you guys are kind of, yeah. like, I could see you guys on the same bill. Actually, because yeah. it's sort of like old man cat skills. Yeah. We'll text each other puns. I felt yeah. so bad when he met your sister for the first time because I don't think he like that he realized she was like a comedian, you know. And he was just like firing off like the worst pun after the worst pun. No, she, yeah. I'm sure th- she thought he, she was like being punished or something, you know. Like punished. I get it, I get it. You Is know, that, like, was that a pun? Oh, no. oh, oh, yes. Oh, I didn't off. even realize it's just Goodness. natural yes. talent. It oozes out. Really. Yes. <laughs> no, Vanessa's used to being around that <laughs> but he didn't realize oh, really? he was just like doing that's bad so pun funny bad pun. Oh, are yeah. your parents like a real pun artist my dad it has a really good sense of humor he's really funny not necessarily pun based <laughs> but i think that comes from being more of like a writer and like being just like but yeah my dad's really really funny do you want to say on the interview the steph curry one you were really proud kind of, of. Yesterday? i'll yeah, trade you if you you you, you yeah, tell that one go for punk okay uh <laughs> oh you haven't heard this one yet first of all i saw his name was stephen curry this you morning so uh steph it's Cur- a little jazzier than that <laughs> it's spelled stephen to your to your okay, credit i'm gonna read it actually do you have it in your notes <laughs> well I, I actually instagram my tweet because <laughs> <laughs> uh, i was so proud of it <laughs> I like it when it gets upgraded like yeah, that. Yeah, promoted. Yeah. Uh, promoted. Happens very rarely, but this is Where was, do you go from there? I don't know. Snapchat next? <laughs> what happened? This is when I actually text Vanessa. I'm like, can you retweet this? Uh, so since Curry is the star of this playoff game, doesn't mean it's going to end in a tie. T-H-A-I. <laughs> I think it's good. It's good. And for, I wish for, you could have seen me at this bar like watching the game, and then all of a sudden I was like, Eureka! <laughs> like, 
I had this revelation. <laughs> and I wish people And could. I told everyone about the bar and no everyone's like, that's stupid. And I was like, no, I'm tweeting it. Everyone's gonna like And I wish people could just see the amount of enjoyment you gave yourself by reading that pun again oh, yeah. for like the yeah. 30th time. That's yeah. why puns are great though. Yeah, you know? they are. It's doesn't a matter if people keeps on get them. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter if anybody else gets them. All right, Laura, what's your pun? You. Oh, okay. Um, why didn't the lifeguard rescue the hippie? Why? Because he was too far out, man. <laughs> <laughs> the good one. Brad, I don't have one. <laughs> I got nothing. I don't. And if I had, I would have forgot it by now. I seriously don't have a joke that won't offend somebody. It sucks. You don't have the lifeguard, a lifeguard joke. No, I have nothing like... Grandma jokes. Like, no one cares about lifeguards in that sense. <laughs> People who are drowning. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Laura, what was, the, what was the one you guys had about the belt store or something? Uh Oh, I don't know, but I know the punchline is a waste of time. That's yeah. <laughs> there's this okay, so there's this joke that I've been trying to get what the setup is to for years. All oh, I remember what is, is what the punchline is. So this is a good oh, platform okay, that maybe okay. people right. can help me. Yeah. All I it's a Michael Jackson joke, and all I remember is that the punchline is because he was blowing bubbles. Oh my what god. What is the setup? What is the start of that oh joke? My god. Bubbles is his chip. Right. <laughs> so I feel like I've heard this joke. Oh, I've definitely heard this right. before. All you need is the punchline. Oh Someone is listening to this podcast freaking out. <laughs> being like, how do you guys not come know on, this? Oh fuck. Tweet me, please. Yeah, tweet please me. tweet Laura. And copy me and Benny on it. Yeah. I mean, is this when all right, here. Brad's on the computer. He's going straight. I, we needed a Googler on here right now. I think I've even tried Googling it. Maybe it's been updated, really? you know? But no, there's yeah. no way this isn't up. Brad, what do we got? Man. Unbelievably, it's not. What? I got to put Michael. How did we all recognize it? <laughs> oh, you just put blowing Someone's bubbles? Someone's going to see like the search history for this Come and be on. like, Michael Jackson blowing bubbles. Yeah. Michael Jackson. Bad Michael Jackson <laughs> jokes. Don't click Michael image Jackson search. jokes. Well, there's a lot of just websites dedicated to Michael, <laughs> Michael Jackson jokes. <laughs> Can we read some more of these? <laughs> yeah, I think we should go through. Brad, can you give us like a top three? Uh, not, this can't be the right one. Heard about Michael Jackson's new songs? I'm forever blowing bubbles. <laughs> no, that's that's not it. I think that, isn't that not an episode of the British Office? I feel like Ricky Gervais, like... <laughs> oh my God, you're right. Right? Something about blowing bubbles. Yeah. Yeah, like you're it's right. one of his jokes. You're right. Mm. This is go deep. back and watch. The All right, office. we should talk about something else for now. <laughs> Dude, these jokes are really. Was, what uh, do you do if Michael Jackson is <laughs> drowning? Throw him a boy. <laughs> but that's, that's pretty good. Oh, okay. What did okay. the man on the beach say to Michael Jackson? Get out of my son. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. It's so dark. Oh, too soon. Oh, what do Michael Jackson and Big Mac have in common? They're both thirty-year-old men between ten-year-old buns. Oh God. <laughs> All right, all right. All right no. I was kind of amazed. You know, I recently, like, after uh, oh, after pet. Prince died and after Bowie died, like, I was kind of astonished at the output of albums they had within their career. Like, mm. Prince was, like, a billion and Bowie was, like, just below that. But um, Michael Jackson only had, like, 10 or 11 studio albums. You would have thought yeah, it would have been more, like, prolific. It that's weird, true. Maybe because, was he, but he wasn't really his own primary songwriter, right? No, yeah. he, well, but he was a he was a songwriter and he was responsible for a lot of his big stuff. I heard there's some rumor about Prince having like there's a vault. Like 37 some odd studio albums. Yeah. Yeah. With it. like just it. thousands of songs uh -huh. like sitting there. And they're turning Paisley Park into like a Graceland. That's amazing. It's it the best. Cool. Go. No, yeah. Cool. It was a bad year. It, yeah. And right? it's not over. <laughs> yeah. Because even besides for Bowie, 
Prince. Starting off with Lemmy. 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 Fife Dog. I don't know if we have tribe fans here. That was a big one. This is a sad, sad year. Yeah. Should we do a going off track, like, short moment of silence? Yeah, let's do it. All right, how long? Five seconds. Five? Yeah. That's appropriate. (sighs) I couldn't do it. I can't do it. It's a good effort. No, like, someone's got to be the dick in that situation. What what the fuck? I didn't know any of those people. (laughs) Somebody recently... I'm going to do a moment of silence. I'm going to do it for... Someone that was cool to me. Shortly, <laughs> shortly after Prince, uh, the guy who wrote the music that gets played on all the ice cream trucks Ooh. died. No. Is there and publishing s- in that? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and somebody posted it to Facebook seriously and just got all these vitriols, like responses like, may he ride in hell. I was just going to say that. <laughs> Because it's so, exactly so cold. What I was thinking because it's, I used to be tortured by. You know, yeah. there's a law that they can't park and keep the music going in New York because it drives so many fucking people insane. That little really? loop, yeah. Does it have a name? Uh, it does. But oh, back to the Google. <laughs> back to the Google. Not entertaining. <laughs> but like the person who did the post on Facebook was shocked. They had totally not posted it for that reason, and they they didn't get one like. They didn't get one positive response. It was literally like, That's sad. fuck him. <laughs> so Laura, before I came today, I was watching some old interviews with you. Okay. And is it just me or was Larry King? First off, you did an interview with Larry King. Yeah. Like a pretty awesome. Probably was a lot like this. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I saw Dion Sanders on my way into it. Neon Dion. Yeah. Uh-huh. Did you say anything? I, I stopped and made him take a picture with me. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> was he like styling that day? Oh, yeah. He was like wearing a suit. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Love it. Badass. But is it just me or is Larry King like, did he sound like, like a 90-year-old dude in like Coral Gables? Who like hasn't like left his private community in like forty? He sounded horrible to me. Maybe a little bit, but I will give him credit in that he was like mentally present in there compared to some other like big name like celebrity types like that, where you can tell there's the glaze over them and you're not talking to anybody, you know, and they're just going through the motions of. Yeah. And now I ask a question, you know. Um, he was like definitely like there in the room. Which That's was good. Cool. Mm-hmm. The thing I found kind of offensive about it to me was the fact that like, like the information on the way um, someone like him is supposed to handle um, a relationship with somebody who's trans mm-hmm. seems pretty well documented to me. You know what I mean? Like, like a quick, you're a quick Google search away from like being able to generally understand how you're supposed to handle yourself. Sure. If you're meeting somebody for the first time if or something like that. If only journalists actually did that. That's what I'm saying. So. so do you think he was doing it to try and like, I have an old ass audience who needs to be like, walk through this really slowly. Or do you think he was actually like that dense to like. I think it was like maybe a little more of like, what does he care at this point? You know, like not like uh, in the like a necessarily general like uh, bigotry callousness. I don't mean that in any way, just more of like, okay, we're not even on network TV anymore here. You know, like what do you really expect? Or, you know, there's like that generation gap too of older older people like that. Like the disconnect I think is is maybe a little there. But again, he was really, 
you know, super there and present and like seemed wanting to learn, okay. but that he was like learning in real time as opposed to having been briefed on it before. Right. You know? Right, right, right. How do you think that compared to like, say, like Marin or someone like that? Um, like Marin was like just way more unguarded. You're in that dude's house in right, his garage, right. you know, like, and that's the type of conversation you're having where, you know, like it's more on you to kind of be polite in this weird way, you know? Um, but, but also like, it's hard to tell with Marin where it's like, I, I mean, I didn't realize going into it, but like, you know, the person he previously or interviewed just previous to me was Barack Obama. So like, how much time do you think he spent like prepping for my interview versus Obama's? Like, True. Sadly, I'd have so much more to talk about with you. Oh yeah. So much more. <laughs> for better or worse. It makes me think of some Joe and I were talking about before and we thought you would have an interesting perspective on it. Not just being like trans but being someone from like our world Uh and someone who's punk rock and someone who is massively and we've talked about this stoned on tour so many times (laughs) seeing they're talking about government politics like just the general displeasure and mistrust and all these things that i know you have sure so that being said like a lot of people say and we've been talking about it that one of the reasons the trans thing publicly right now is so big is to create a different dialogue as to what is actually happening, which is some seriously like world altering political shit going on right now. Oh, you and, mean like as like a false flag or not a false flag? That's well, wrong not thing, a false but like flag because it's, it's a very real this. thing that's happening, obviously, and it's important. But do you think it's getting blown up more? It's being like generized as we want to not genderized, generized. We're, we just came <laughs> I just, up with I just, I'm so cynical. I just wonder about. We're cynical about it. I, the yeah. government's intentions. I'm like, does the, does the government really care about this? Or is this just, you know what I mean? Like, And I know you're someone who could lean on the fact that media has the ability to spin something to hide other things. Totally, totally. Yeah. I mean, it's it's tough because like. You know, like I was flying, um, I was flying to start a tour from the Detroit airport when the attorney general spoke and like there was a huge, you know, like projection on a wall, like two story tall, like video playing of her talking, you know, and saying that. And it wasn't like there was no audio. It was just like, you know, subtitles and full airport of people stopping and watching this. And like to me, that was just like such a moment of like, holy crap, you know, like this is like recognition that I could have never imagined happening. I could have never imagined the attorney general telling transgender community that they that the U.S. government or that the Obama administration, I guess, specifically has the transgender communities back and that they're visible to the Obama administration. That was just like mind blowing, you know, and, uh, you know, I think that the um, things happening on local government levels couldn't really possibly be seen as like what is like the governor of north carolina what conspiracy is he hoping to cover cover up by hb2 you know like um so and and the federal government's responding to what the state governments are doing or local governments are i would think more specifically media right yeah yeah yeah. but uh yeah i mean like but at the same time sure like they're covering up ufos (laughs) <laughs> that's all that's what this is about i'll buy that thank 100%. you that's where we're going. yeah yeah i mean i'm curious like how much just as someone who like doesn't isn't familiar with this type of stuff like how much of an issue in your daily life is sort of the public 
bathroom type thing i'm fucked i'm in a band too <laughs> on top of it you know like to the point where like it's on our rider like i do not want to play a venue unless there is a private restroom for the band because i don't want the pressure like i just want to use the bathroom if i have to use the bathroom yeah. i don't want the experience of like regardless of gender i don't want my experience meeting a fan at a show to have been in a restroom right. you know like i don't want to shake someone's unwashed hand i don't want to <laughs> fucking pose for a picture in a restroom i don't want that part of the fan experience yeah, yeah and then i don't want also part of the experience to be them watching to see what restroom i go into right because fuck that you know yeah. so i just won't play a, re- a venue if there's not a private restroom i privileged most of the time that like being in a band i'm on a tour bus there's a restroom on the tour bus um but like jesus i don't know like you know i go to a lot of places where it's like it's not an option i'm using the men's room in a lot of places when i was in fucking dubai i'm going in the men's room you know like i do not want to go to jail in these places i do not want to be attacked in these places Mm -hmm. um and i'm not insane you know like i i uh know like that i don't pass you know it's just like part of it um but it's like it's a constant present of my real life and that's like why it was important to me to still go there you know and being like that um for the people of north carolina it's not an option to be like we're gonna boycott our state we're just not going to work today because of hb2 like i work in north carolina i have to pay state taxes to north carolina when i play a show there i might not live there but i at least work there two or three times a year in different cities and you know the the idea of having that cut out of of my my um, tour routing is just like stupid to me. You well, it also seems just easier to not play. Like it almost seems like, well, I did my part. I'm not playing there. Sure. Well, sure. do you think there's, it actually made me think of it. It was cause I, I read your, your statement about not playing North Carolina. And the second I read it, I was like, Oh fuck yeah. Good. Like that's mm-hmm. exactly the way you should handle that. And you have fans there and you have people who are dying to see you and dying to talk to you. And like your fans who actually like, need you to dialogue after a show at this point you know what i mean because you've you've become a flag bearer for something that i'd assume a lot of these kids don't or didn't previously have someone to look up to sure and that's amazingly important that's like i mean i can't imagine the feeling of pride in order to be that for somebody else when you didn't when you didn't really have it right Mm -hmm. so I i mean that's incredible do you think like someone like I I don't want to vilify someone like Bruce Springsteen or Pearl Jam because I do feel maybe a band on that level actually like affects like an economy, right? Totally, and like, it brings they, way more attention. Like a to stadium, it. like mm-hmm. and which employs like hundreds of people and entire like bars and restaurants and parking garages around this stadium, and and like you pull the plug on a show like that, that's like literal like wages loss for people sends a message yeah. but is mm-hmm. that like is that like anti-people by doing that because who are you actually fucking over are you fucking over your own ticket holders and are you fucking over everyone who owns a bar and restaurant mm-hmm. and parking garage around that area because they're getting two days less work i mean I've, i remember when um uh the last time um the nba went on strike one of the big things that came up during that time was like you know, the people of Milwaukee rely on this stadium being open 41 times a year because that's 41 nights, their best nights of the year, totally. 41 oh, times. Mm-hmm. So do you think like, like Jonah said, like it's a little like short sighted to it's, maybe not do it? It's tough because like I really, I, I totally 100% see the merit in 
in the boycott from a Springsteen sized band's angle of like that brings a lot of attention to it, really got the conversation going and everything like that. And I'm sure Springsteen will go back there eventually and he'll play and that same money will be there in the economy just later down the road, you know, like right. once they hopefully change this all around. Um, but that that to me just seems like the kind of attitude you'd want to, from someone who like had your back but didn't want to speak for you of like, okay, I'm just going to back away right now and you go ahead and like, you know, like work this out, you know, or like right. you handle this. Like that to me seems like way more respectful as opposed to like, because Bruce Springsteen's not transgender. For him to be like, now I'm going to be the spokesperson for the transgender community is like, that's way wrong in my opinion, True. you know? But um, I, I respect the boycott from like for sure. You I know? don't understand the issue to be, I don't understand, I guess I don't understand the mentality of caring so much about what other people do. Like, I mean, I believe like drugs should be, do, but I feel like if something isn't hurting you, I don't understand why all these the gay marriage, like all this stuff, I don't understand why it's an issue. Well, I'll, I'll say, you know, like talking about like uh, diversions and stuff like that is that I really think the diversion with HB2 in particular, like is the bathroom part of it when really right. like the more terrifying part of it is the fact that it strips away transgender people from the right to sue for discrimination mm. at a state level. Right, 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 right. You don't have the right to sue for being discriminated against, for getting fired, for like losing housing, for oh, being really? denied health care. Right. Like that's what it's doing. Okay. You know, so like the bathroom things like is like just as shitty um but like you know it's it's the, the i think that there's much more to it that the focus being on the bathroom thing is like really what we're talking about is like just transphobic bigoted people you know like that that's what it's about and do you think like <clears throat> the people presenting the bill purposefully highlighted the bathroom portion of it because that's the part of it that like your normal run-of-the-mill I'm going to work nine to five type of person responds to yeah, yeah, the only thing that yeah, yeah. they would respond uh -huh. to. Right. right? No, totally. Totally. And, and it's bullshit too, because it's like, okay, you're saying like, okay, you made it law. Like you got to have it on, on your uh, identification that you are the gender that you're saying. Right. Then like my response to something like that would be like, fine. Okay. So how do I change my identification? But then they're saying like, you can't, mm -hmm. you can't change your identification. That's where we get you at least like give somebody the option of then, or the ability to then change the gender markers on, on their identification, you know, um, especially like with a state like North Carolina or most states where the process for someone to like undergo hormone replacement therapy requires you to go to a psychotherapist and get a letter saying that you are not insane, that you are what you are saying. Your right. gender identity is valid. So after jumping through those hoops and you and have then, to do that in order to to, to get a doctor license over yeah to, yeah to get to a doctor to get to give you a prescription for hormones right you have to get this letter right. so shouldn't that letter be the thing that then if you're in a situation of somebody being like are you in the right restroom being like oh okay i understand maybe there's some confusion here is this thing that i had to right. obtain through proper channels legal channels like a fucking birth certificate. Yeah, so does I mean, that feed into? I mean, I know. So you recently like burned your birth certificate on stage. Yeah, um, and that was in North Carolina. Yeah. Uh huh. I mean, what was that something? You'd been thinking about doing for a while, or was it kind of like a spur? Yeah, I had to ask my mom to get it for me. You okay. know, yeah, that that was a kind of funny thing of like people like responding to that, being like, "Oh, you'll regret that." It's like, what the fuck? When have you used your birth certificate? I know what mine is. I've gotten two new birth certificates through. It's so easy. Yeah, the one time they didn't even check, I could have been someone else getting my birth certificate. <laughs> Scary. Yeah, but everyone's like, "Ding!" <laughs> Still a good statement though, because people think like it's oh symbolism. My God, you obviously, can never replace yeah. this piece of paper. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's symbolism it's like yeah. burning a flag it's just fuck you fuck you yeah, you know, yeah fuck a birth certificate do you find that process like 
of going to and and proving to um to change that seems a little repugnant in the first place like do you think eventually like of, that of is, like gatekeepers like is that, that that's going to have to change well again it's like not uh it's not regulated necessarily on a national level it's like state a state by, state by state and sometimes city by city so like chicago that's one of the reasons kind of moved there was that it's an informed consent city where you can go into a doctor and say this is what i'm doing give me access to health care and they'll do it you know okay. you don't need to um go and have psychological testing yeah 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 do you ever miss um getting with all this kind of trans stuff happening, do you ever miss getting asked about if you guys sold out by signing to fat? <laughs> <laughs> For signing to fat. Yeah, yeah, signing to fat. <laughs> that was a real thing, though, right? Yeah, but that was like years of like talking How about bad that. How do which you I... miss Butch Vig questions? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I, I don't. I don't. I much prefer to talk about this because it's okay. real. You know, yeah, like yeah, it's, yeah. I, I could not give a shit less if someone thinks I'm punk or not. You well, know, there was like, part of this when, I, when we were coming into it. I, I brought this up to Jonah earlier. I'm like, I'm like, this is all Laura fucking talks about now. I'm like, I'm like, that's it. I'm like, but we're like, all right. But we were but sure. with the record transgender dysphoria blues with the book this like there are a lot of people who need or want to be informed about it and i feel like maybe you're flying the flag a little as sort of that like gatekeeper for information Mm -hmm. but do do you feel that do you you feel like you have a responsibility like or do you feel you could just kind of do your own thing and just be like yeah this is me this is my band like if you're into it cool if not i mean it's a little of, of that i mean like i definitely feel it's it's not a like I feel a responsibility in the sense of recognizing that like, I have a platform. Like I'm gonna I want I'm going to continue to put out records, and part of putting out records is doing press. That's just the way it is, you know. Yeah. And rarely is an interview going to be about like except this one actually. Like we started talking about audio stuff, which is well, like I know. The I, was, stuff I was like maybe musicians... this will be a respite. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but no, like like that's the stuff as a musician you like can geek out on, and sure. like and what is like a huge part of making a record is the actual recording process, <laughs> right. you know. But no one wants to ever talk about that really you know so you end up talking about whatever most of the time like is a fabricated narrative you know and this is real and it's happening in like across the world you Mm -hmm. know and uh and there aren't many people who have that position of visibility so sure you know the one thing i that keeps coming up in my head and it could even be like myself being ill-informed like i can't even take myself out of the conversation of someone who is so hip to this that i understand everything about it you are the only person i know who's mm-hmm. gone through this transition i i was um and you know we hang out on tour and i specifically don't want to ask you about it because mm-hmm. you're on tour and that's like <laughs> that's like our place to fucking hang sure, and play yeah. music uh-huh. and i don't want to fucking talk about that shit with you right in that aspect now that we're here I kind of want to. So, <laughs> I'm going to bring up one thing. Why'd you just lock the door? No. <laughs> First use wouldn't leave. Now use can't leave. Bronx Tale? Anyone? No? But anyway. <laughs> I don't know. But the one thing that keeps coming up in my head is I know the Obama administration made, I don't know if, I mean, I guess it was an email at this point, but this, you know, the, the, not a decree, but how to handle um, a kid or a transgender uh, individual trying to transition in a, in any publicly funded institution. Right. Mm-hmm. Which not only is high school, which is publicly funded colleges, 
which goes into like fraternities and sororities, which, which is great, are publicly funded. Like the scope of it, I love. The one should, thing he should send one to journalists too. So that can't <laughs> that that I can't get over is high school. And how kids are the biggest dicks. I'm not oh, even no. talking about gay, straight, <laughs> transgender, whatever, <laughs> will always be dicks. A 15-year-old boy is always going to be a dick, and he's always going to push the limits as far as he can go to see what they can get away with. Sure. Uh-huh. And I know specifically in what he wrote is that if a kid says that they're identifying, mm-hmm. you are not allowed to ask. You're not allowed to get into it. You have to just say... And treat this person as what they're identifying with. I can't understand how there's not going to be one little shit in like every high school in America <laughs> who's just going to fucking say it and who's going to go into the girls' room to be an asshole. I don't. I you see, know. I see. I disagree, but at the same time, like I hear that and I think about those same things and yeah. I think about like high school gym experience and I'm and I hear like some dumb fucking like redneck. Like talking about how like, you know, there's going to be a transgender person in the girls room or something like that. And and like I'm like, are you really under the illusion that you're going to walk into the like to the to the girls fucking locker room and there's going to be a transgender girl, 15 years old, just openly showering. Like right. they are yeah, fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally insecure with their body as a 15 yeah, yeah. year old is like who the fuck showered in gym? Like I would have showered <laughs> yeah. in yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. gym, oh, you yeah. know, like gross. That's just insane. <laughs> Athletes like, yeah, I didn't, like, like, I didn't <laughs> like changing into my bathing suit. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I opted out of gym. I think that's more just the message we need to be sending people. But I just I don't like maybe high school is like way different or something. But like I just don't see like the idea of like even with government backing of a transgender kid feeling comfortable in a restroom still, you know, like even with a government sending out like an email saying that you should allow access. I'd see still most of the time I I think that transgender kids would be just still just as terrified. That was what like the thing about yeah. HB2 for me it was kind of like oh there's some bill like that. Oh I already thought it was like that. You know like I just right. assumed that that's what you totally. people were like, well, you know like <laughs> That was one of my issues with it. It was cuz I read about the way they were going about it and it felt short-sighted to me in the way that I don't I still don't think it's protecting the kids who need to be protected. Right. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I still think the same exact like, there's no culture shift being implemented. There's no education being part of this. There's just, like, now you have to do this. So some kid who maybe is not even as serious about it is probably going to be the one who waves the biggest flag. And the person really struggling might still have to stay under. Yeah, I mean, this is just, like, a, a bigger, like, indication of the problem of, like, lack of funding with schools in general. And that, you know, like, I mean, what was your sex ed experience like? And did it even... T- touched on gender at all like shouldn't no. kids be educated about gender in school you know like that should be something that is like i mean it's a it's it's a part of the fabric of society you know yeah. like let's talk about it and then if we talk about it maybe people won't be like as ignorant about it you know like yeah. um but that's just like a bigger problem you know yeah because i mean you still have half of america pushing for more creationism in school mm-hmm. you yeah. know yeah no totally let totally. alone like you know it trickling down to to things like that yeah. Um, me and Benny were talking about something else before that I wanted to ask Benny you. Benny and I. Benny and I. Excuse me. <laughs> um, wow. Uh, That's I w- the first time. I know. It's ever is. happened on the podcast. I, Gender is over, not grammar. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, 
Whoa. Grammar is not over. <laughs> no, it's oh getting tag teamed here. <laughs> Can we put that in the back of one of those? <laughs> Gender that's, is over. Grammar is not. That's actually a pretty good shirt. That's pretty fun. <laughs> um, I, For all those transgender linguists out there, that's a hell of a joke. <laughs> Just saying. Trans grammar. <laughs> um, I was curious what your thoughts were on uh, Caitlyn Jenner because, specifically, because obviously she brought this issue into consciousness for a lot of people, but also basically you being a punk, she basically seems like a conservative right. Republican. Yeah. Kind of like a total piece of shit. Kind of like the exact opposite place you're coming from. Yeah. Right. And I also feel like it's like this sad state in of like American pop culture where like an issue like this comes to the forefront through something like tangential to like the Kardashians. Whereas like there's people sort of like you too, not to like pit people against each sure, other. Sure, sure. But I'm just curious like what your thoughts are. Cause I'd imagine it's conflicting. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you like it relating back to being in the airport in Detroit after the attorney general spoke, you know, like I watched that and I like cried and then I went to the bar and I ordered a white wine waiting for my plane. And as I'm sitting there, there's like no one else at the bar, but all the bar staff are and a, a couple TSA people are at the end of the bar and they're talking about it. And they're like and and one of them said, I forget what they said, but it was really fucking ignorant. So I went over and I was like, actually, I'm transgender and actually you're wrong for this reason, this reason, this reason, it. this reason. And like I could tell like the people were just like blown away yeah. that it like it and all of a sudden was real to them where they're like, holy shit, they're saying this and here's a transgender person. Oh, my God. And the first person who spoke said, is it true that Caitlyn Jenner wants to detransition and be a man again? And I was just like, oh, my fucking God. Like, <laughs> shit. <laughs> like, that's where we're going now? Like, I just laid some knowledge on you. And you're like, that's your response. You know, so, like, I do see the damage in, like, yeah, in, like, uh not, not characterizing it like but in uh turning it into fucking reality tv you know right. is that there's a true danger with that you know of of uh um i don't know celebritizing it you know and and definitely you know like i of course have some political differences like that and, it, and i don't understand how you can be transgender or not like before marriage equality like it's, that's yeah mind-blowing it, it's mind-blowing yeah. crazy yeah. i i mean i really think about it though like where I, I feel bad, you know, and with Caitlyn Jenner in particular, I'm kind of removed. Like, I've met Caitlyn Jenner. She was nothing but nice to me. But, like, I didn't I didn't watch her coming out interview. I didn't read the Vanity Fair article. I've never seen an episode of the Kardashians, so why the fuck am I going to watch I Am Kate? I just feel like I identify with a certain thing about you that I understand. Respect for that. I want to give you your space to go through it because that I know when I was going through this, and especially in the public eye, it led me to having a fucking nervous breakdown. And I'm pretty sure that that's probably going to eventually happen for you because, like, the more you say dumb shit like this and the more pressure there is is to like speak right you're representing all these people like that's unreasonable to expect someone to do while doing while undergoing gender transition right. it's just like not healthy in any way you know we were talking earlier like often we talk on this because jonah's really into yoga and meditation and even cooler stuff and <laughs> kombucha you know and you know and i'm more moderately into it but i was wondering like you know I heard some horrifying statistics about like suicide rates and things like that. And, and I was wondering what you used to go through the stresses of like what you just had to go through or what you're still going smoking through. weed. 
Straight up smoking just straight weed. Up. Yeah, and I, I mean that in a total, like, not way to Because uh, when I first met weed. you, you weren't smoking. Right, yeah, right. So you guys yeah. can check out my interview with Laura in High Times. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Row two. That wasn't yes. a sketchy experience at all doing the fucking photo shoot. I wish you were there so for that. Anyway, bummed as um, <laughs> Wait, I heard it was like a pool full of weed. Yeah, but it in like an abandoned apartment somewhere oh, yeah, in New York City. It. it was like, oh, there was just I about to Just like some fat Joe. I remember getting texts from Laura and just being like, why am I not there? I had some kind of like family thing. Yeah, but I, I mean, know. like I was, I was told by doctors, they were like, you need to go on these antidepressants and these are the type of antidepressants that you can't just come off of that will, you know, that, that fuck you up. Alter. You know, you're going to have to like, they're going to change your life if you go on these pills. And my response to that was, fuck that medical mar- marijuana. I'm going to smoke weed. And like, I don't, that's why I was saying, like, I don't mean to like make weed a joke. Um, as like, yeah, let's get stoned. But I, I mean, I like getting stoned, but like it, it makes me a different person and makes me more able to cope. You know, when I first met you not smoking weed, I probably seemed like a standoffish asshole because I kind of was because I wasn't very comfortable with myself and I had social anxieties. So, so you know, yeah, yes, yeah. Well, I suppose. I was, <laughs> to be honest, yes. We should have gotten high together sooner is the moral of the Yo, story. Well, <laughs> I was getting high, motherfucker. I don't know where you were. Well, one thing, I remember <laughs> us, I think the first time we smoked weed was uh, backstage at Bowery when you were on Revival Tour. Uh-huh. And that was sort of around the time. I, I was think, like, yeah, I knew I was, I'd already done the Rolling Stone interview, but yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. but no one really knew. Yeah. I mean, it hadn't come out yet. I mean, so I wasn't a ball of stress then or anything. No, 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 yeah, yeah, see, not stressful at all. But I mean, what was that like before it came out? And also me and Benny were talking, yeah. I was telling Benny, I was like, I think this is the last article that's ever going to break in print. <laughs> and how because i remember talking to your publicist ken about it, and he was like not even everyone at rolling stone knew about it yeah yeah like that must have been really hard and that must have also been weird when you're like i know this thing's coming out and but no one knows yet sort of but it's done it was freeing actually yeah. in so many ways like especially and i felt bad like on the revival tour in particular because like you know Chuck has his thing going and and he would like try to get, you know, press organized around the revival tour. But I was like, I'm not doing any press because I've done the only interview I need to do this year. You know, like, so I was just like, I'm not doing it. I don't, you know, and it felt like this weird window of time where I could like pretty much do anything and act any way and no one was going to remember it because what was about to <laughs> yeah. just happen right next. So that's it was true. like, you know, it was, re- but then that's like, kind of awesome. That's almost like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's yeah. almost like Groundhog Day. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Say some far out shit to somebody and know like in a couple of weeks, <laughs> they just wouldn't even text? think about it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. Um, yeah. But that was that, that, that tour in particular, the revival tour was an interesting tour to be on while like knowing you're about to come out as transgender just because it's like you're like on a on a fishing boat on that tour you know everyone's their own musician their own thing and they're all coming together for this tour everyone's there to work and do do the tour you know and chuck is catching fish and scaling fish and yeah i was reading the whipping girl by julia serrano in my bunk um, (laughs) Corey's doing some weird finger picking thing (laughs) Corey's being better than all of us yeah Yeah. it's infuriating Uh uh-huh john gaunt just you and John Gaunt. I love John Gaunt. He's like one of the <laughs> coolest dudes. Uh huh. I love that dude. I I got so drunk last time Chuck played here. I don't remember this, but apparently after the show, someone thought I was in the band and I was with John, and they're like, "How do you guys stay sober enough during the set?" And I was like, "We have this whole system with drinking where like we can only drink this much before we play." And John was going with it. I don't remember it, but apparently I was like elaborating like I was in the band. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? That's my thing. My other thing I do when I'm really drunk is uh, tell people they're my best friend. 
like many times over and over. Really? Yeah. You do that? Yeah. How many best friends have you collected? A lot. I have a lot of best friends. It's better than being an angry junk. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. true. No one likes an angry junk. Yeah. You know, about 50% of the time these days, I go into like a wormhole when I'm drunk. Dark. (laughs) The darkness comes out. That's not good. You know, that's why it is a depressing. I seldom drink these days because of it. Do you ever, do. do you ever get that from weed? Do you ever get like, like have like not like a bad trip but do you ever go in the dark because i feel like usually i'm pretty happy but sometimes i'll smoke weed and be like i'm gonna write down every mistake i've ever made <laughs> and then i'll like wake up and be like oh my god what it, yeah it can, <laughs> is it accurate yeah but when it's, you're sober it's like a whole it's not in a not in like not in like a constructive way more yeah. like think of everything you've fucked up and like meditate on like what piece yeah, of shit you are weed brings you to like either yeah, sensitivity extreme where you have either none, where you're just like cool as a cucumber, man. Whatever's <laughs> going on, but or it's a hyper awareness or a hyper sensitivity to like, like I've definitely been stoned, like walked out of a party or a room and been like, all right, fuck, how'd that go? <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, like, yeah. was that conversation? Was I cool? But to that's everyone? the strain. Like, that's the strain. You know, yeah. that's an indica right. of the sativa. That's but, you know, like but, lemon Kush versus blueberry Kush <laughs> versus <laughs> lemon curry. Yeah, versus lemon curry coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> me, me, Laura, and Benny are developing a strain of weed called lemon curry. But uh, you know, I was talking about it actually. Somebody with it, somebody recently in Humboldt County who grows weed, and they were talking about too the difference between weed that was grown inside versus weed that's grown outside, oh, yeah. and how like if weed is grown outside, it gives you a more clear-headed, open, high, and if it was grown inside, then it's more closed in. Really, and, like, and it's more expensive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it all kind of made sense to me. I mean, yeah. I was stoned, but you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I was. Well, watching... I feel like I can't tell. Can you tell the difference? Yeah, like for indica sativa. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Hundred uh-huh. percent. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I definitely can. And I can tell the difference between indoor and outdoor for sure. Yeah, totally, totally. And yeah, I think dang. that my dealer lies to me most of the time. I'll be honest. <laughs> oh, yeah. Too, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying it's better. See, this is interesting. I've been smoking a long time. I've been like pretty much an everyday smoker since my late, late teens, like somewhere around 18, 19, where I became an everyday. Mm-hmm. And even before that, it was pretty often. And I was watching something recently on that uh, Weedikit show that they're playing on Viceland. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen this. but I've heard of. He yeah, goes heard to different cool, towns yeah. and different legal weed scenarios and breaking down the laws and seeing how it's grown. And there was one specifically on how basically now that the laws are opened up, I mean, corporate people are, you know, hedge fund owners are opening the biggest weed manufacturers and they're doing this. And of course, because they've opened it up to to the free market. Capitalism. Exactly. And now, you know, they're interviewing like Humboldt County farmers who've been doing this for years and they're like, we're getting pushed out and this and that. I don't know why I did a Southern accent. (laughs) They're in Northern California. But... um, Just roll with it. Benny's wearing sunglasses now all of a sudden. I don't know where they came from. But... You know, I was watching this with my wife, who's not a smoker, and she's like, oh, this is really sad. This is this and that. And I'm like thinking, I'm like, you know what? Like, I've been paying 60 bucks for like a little ass bag of weed (laughs) since I was like a little kid. (laughs) And I'm like, if these people can give me the same shit way cheaper, which it should have been this whole time because it's legal and now it's free market. Way more convenient. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to go to Quick Check and I'm going to buy like... 
a pack of 20 and that's I hope the they're as cheap as cigarettes. That's like, my make, biggest complaint yeah. right now, too, is like, why don't you package it like exactly. cigarettes? I yeah. want to buy a pack of fucking Marlboro Greens. Exactly. Yeah. Three roll joints, 20 of them. Do I you want know, it, you know, <laughs> actually, in a, in a funny thing that well, Parliament Greens, recess years filters, ago, <laughs> um, in like the late 80s, uh, prior to the real war on drugs happening, there was going to be a lean towards legal weed, like before the crack thing, before mm-hmm. Reagan. And Marlboro actually bought the rights off the Marley family to Marley cigarettes. And they started like doing pre-production on Marley cigarettes. Back. And then the whole war on drugs started, had to shelve the whole thing because weed became a high level class weed. drug again somehow. And that happened. But we were already close. At the same time, they also, all the major brands trademarked every single known, like, uh, like weed reference at the oh, time. lay some on me. Like, whatever there was in the, the 80s. 420. Like, you know, yeah. like Mexican red and fucking Panama red or whatever. Yeah, right? You have a like, little more insight on this than we do, all right? Yeah, they trademarked all the names at the time. Wow. Panama red. Yeah, all the 80s how, how weed did, names. How did the Against Me Grinder sell? Really well, yeah, yeah, you guys made good. A grinder? yeah, yeah, uh-huh. mm-hmm. good merch item. I highly yeah. recommend it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's functional too because then you're like, Well, you know, I need a grinder, yeah, got them at merch. Like to ask you this question the only time you've ever smoked a cross joint on tour, I'd like you to tell everyone how that happened. Well, we were on tour together, it's the only time <laughs> right. that I've ever smoked a cross joint. Wait, um, you have to tell, I don't know what a cross joint is. It, think of it. It's a Shaped joint. Shaped like a cross? Shaped like a cross. But yeah. all connected. Uh-huh. Wow. So you're sucking so you, from one, but you have three inputs. Three see. burns. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought maybe two people smoked at the same time. I, you know, I'll tell you what, on the <laughs> new Against Me record, I actually make a reference to learning to roll cones a little better, which is a reference to Alex teaching me to yeah. roll cones. Yeah. He's I was like on that tour with y'all. I was like YouTubing videos on how to <laughs> roll, roll cone joints. Yeah. Alex has become a real, a real, um, I don't know what you artist. Say. So did, yeah, he's an artist. Did, did, Alex, did, like, did uh, Alex roll? I was thinking of the sushi guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Did Alex <laughs> roll the cross joint? He did. Okay. And mm-hmm. it took him a while. How but, long, how long did you say it took? <sighs> Say a good like half hour, 45 minutes, because I, I don't think the first attempt was successful. But then in the same night, and then we almost got was into it a, a fight. Was it a white cross? Remember joint? those two it kids? It was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> these two wanna, kids white came crosses, up. I want to smoke them all. <laughs> they, were at, they were at the show, and they were really drunk. It was somewhere in Canada, I think. Fuck, I don't remember and that. I wonder why. No. My, <laughs> my mom passed away just before, and I was looking for an excuse to just tear fucking somebody's face off if if it could have came up. Yeah. And these kids came up asking, like, semi-inappropriate questions to Laura and asking get on the bus and stuff, and I got really mad. I was inexplicably mad. And then they tried to <clears> get on our bus, and we ended up firing a bus driver because he let them walk right on. He yeah. let, like, this dude just, like, walk right past him, like, into the bus. Yeah, that's not so cool. Which is not cool. Yeah. I mean, you just don't do that. We had someone one time, we were in Spokane, and we were all on the bus, and it was, like, all of a sudden, thud, 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 thud on the roof of the bus. So I, like, rushed out, and some asshole was climbing on the roof of the bus, and all his <laughs> friends were down below. 
And I don't know if they just didn't expect for there to be like a shit ton of people on a tour bus yeah. that large. <laughs> but like we just all came running out, band and crew. And you could tell they all were just were like, and they're like some fucking 20-something-year-old fat boys. And they're just like, oh, shit. Yeah. And like we were all, again, like looking for a fight and looking for like, you know, maybe a little wasted. But it was... It was if fun. I had to guess the highest probability of someone in against me who had the ability to murder someone... I would put my money on James. Yeah. Is I, that safe? James, I'm, I'm not a good fighter. Um, anytime I've ever been in a fight, I usually get knocked down pretty easily. I was um, there that night in Tallahassee. Yes. Yeah. I was just about to say, remember that time I got arrested in Tallahassee? I do. Um, but uh, that, the whole nother <laughs> story on that too. But, uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, like I, there's been a couple times when I have been in fights that James has been there and he's the one who like, I got in a fight in a, in a restroom one time. Um, and like, I'm face to face with this guy and the guy just fucking clocks me in the side of the head and I like go down and I'm like stuck between the toilet and the, and like a, and like the stall wall and like all these people rush into the small stall. And, but through the people I could see James just like landing punches on this dude over and over just in calm, cool collectiveness, (laughs) punching this guy. Yeah. 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 So accurate. If a hundred percent accurate. Yeah. (laughs) But Uh all right. Then let me ask you this question. Say against me. Was on the tour bus. It's two in the morning. It's mellow. People are doing their things. You hear a thud. Uh huh. You guys hit someone. They're like dead. we're driving and we yeah, hit yeah, someone. Yeah, you hit someone. <laughs> okay. You collectively make the decision <laughs> that you're gonna. And you collectively make the decision that you're not gonna own up to this and you're gonna hide we're gonna this cover it up. so yeah, things yeah, yeah. go uh-huh. well. Yeah. Two questions. It's a two-parter. <laughs> Who is the one spearheading, like, the chopping and the hiding? Okay. And who cracks two first? months later, <laughs> who cracks? Okay. Adam is the one who really, like, spearheads the, the chopping, the disposing of the body. Okay. Really methodical. Like, there's Ann Mark Hudson, our tour manager. Literally no mess left behind. Yeah. No trace. We, like, Mark's know. Mark's pretty so- dexterous. Yeah, 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 totally. And yeah. it's, like, you know, and it's all on schedule. We don't even miss sound check or anything. <laughs> 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 um, Inge is the one who two weeks later cracks under the stairs. <laughs> I just uh, he's, he's got I, morals. I can't take it. I'm European. Um, I would say though, if if Inge can hold it together, I would be the one who, for the next rest of their life, was tormented about yeah. it and subtly hid references to it in their art and uh, wrote right. songs about it. Yeah, like, right, yeah. right, right. You'd I'm, be tortured by it. Yeah, I mean, you this would. is like what happened to the Beatles with Paul. I mean, so that's like you know, not to compare myself to John Lennon, but so there is. <laughs> the, he the, was the second Paul. Is that the thing? That there's two Pauls or two Johns? Oh, yeah. Paul McCartney died in the 1960s. Yeah, right. And, and yeah, there's there like a stand-in that replaced him. And this is 100% true? Oh, yeah. I yeah, mean, definitely. Like, why wouldn't it be? There's a, I listened to a whole podcast about it. There's Have like you a, seen the documentary, Last Will and Testament no. of George Harrison? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, like, it's campy as fuck, <laughs> as I'm sure what you listened to was. But when they start getting into breaking down the album covers and the song stuff, you're like, yeah. Yeah, totally. Why else would you make a pe- cover like Sgt. Pepper's? You know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. What? yeah, obviously that was thought out, you know, and you're just as transparent as every other artist that, you know, like what you're writing about is directly, you know, autobiographical. Should you your know? next book be called Transparent? <laughs> well, there's a TV show. So. Uh, God damn it. Uh, you know, speaking of your <laughs> hiding lyrical reference, it was, what I thought was so funny was after you sort of came out, people were like, oh, yeah. 
Lord, that song where she talked about being named Laura, like I kind of knew. And it's like, dude, come on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, yeah, like yeah, they're yeah. like, yeah, I wasn't that. It's like, <laughs> I don't even think our bandmates knew. Like, you really picked up on this subtle dude. lyrical reference from like eight years ago. Someone told me like six months later. <laughs> yeah. They're like, remember in the, yeah, the ocean? Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, oh, you mean the slow song that yeah. I always had to skip because I hate slow songs? <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. It's the last song on the record. Yeah, I'm yeah. Like, I never got to that. Everyone was so, <laughs> so, so prescient in, in, yeah, in hindsight. Yeah, on my end, though, I was like, there is no metaphor here, people. Like, well, how more direct do I need to be? Yeah, yeah. You know? I got to be honest. Yeah, I've heard that song a hundred times. No idea. When it happened, even, I was like, no. And then someone's like, oh, remember that line from a song? I'm like... Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. Ding. That's true. Were right you there. asked a lot about that lyric? Well done, ever, by like, the way. Thank that's you. some thank really you. terrific foreshadowing. Yeah, I mean, thank you. Fuck. Thank Probably you. weren't yeah, asked that much about that line specifically in interviews for that record. No, really, at the time, no, yeah, not at all, yeah. I From mean, the great scale. That's some seriously artistic shit, Laura. Good I, for you. Well, thanks. <laughs> that's gonna go down in like the music record books. Is like wow. <laughs> that shit was deep thanks, thanks so well played thank you thank you <laughs> really good <laughs> benny do you have any more uh scenarios you want to run through oh well like death scenarios stuff? <laughs> yeah of course well i, I want to know that i'll reverse with you all though gaslight oh, yeah. anthem you all hit somebody same scenario yeah same exact bus? scenario on the bus <laughs> I think Alex Rosamelia would spearhead the cutting and hiding. He would need some, of course, some help. I think Alex Levine would happily help. He wouldn't come up. I don't think he'd come up with the plan, but he would happily help execute the plan. Um, and then to crack, fuck, it's definitely me or Brian. Um it would be what got to us first. Like, it would be if my overwhelming Jewish guilt got to me or if Brian's Christian guilt got to him first. I'm not sure which one, yeah. which is more overpowering. But I'm more of an agnostic now. I don't have as many people to answer to as Brian. Brian's got someone to answer to. He might. No, I don't know. It would be me. <laughs> it's me. It's me. Brian, because you know what Brian knows how to do? He knows how to keep his fucking mouth shut, and, and I don't. So, so yeah, it's me. I'd break. I got to take it. I'd give it a couple dynamics. weeks. Huh? I said I love band dynamics. I know, right? I'd let it go for a while. Yeah. You know what? Maybe I would dig in in like a Dexter Maybe kind of way. Maybe you just get stoned and just I forget would, about it. No, I think I would. Where'd we put that body? I would posthumously <laughs> look into the deceased. Okay. You know what I mean? And if, like, I'm like, Jesus, working guy, father, nice guy, left a good trail through life, I would be like, all right, it was me. What if he's a drifter? Because- what if he's a drifter? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> That's, like, the other extreme. Because <laughs> I was hoping more you were like, oh, you found out this guy's a petter ass. And then I'm like, oh, good. Did the world... Uh- yeah. So I'm like, no, whatever. Like, I'll get over it. But another way, I, I don't think I could get over my life would be ruined with that on my shoulders. Uh, and know, I don't have the 
I'm a drummer. I can't drum this story in some, <laughs> in some like, really, Did like... Did you hear that pattern? There's something going on. Like, Benny totally admitted he murdered someone in that 3-4... SOS, dude, dot, dot, dash, dash. I feel like I would be really upset for, like... I feel like I'd be really Murder. upset for like a week and then I'd stress out about something else and forget about it. Like, <laughs> and I gotta do my fucking taxes now. I'll worry about that. You don't think you'd be like woken with haunting dreams like many years later? No. No? That's good. No. Good for you. I yeah. used to actually have nightmares about this pretty regularly. Really? Like a scenario like that. Of really? Like, no, of like living with the conscious of having killed somebody. Yeah. yeah. Used to like regular nightmares about that. You know what I thought of recently? This is another scenario. I don't know in what scenario we can talk about, but it might just lead to something cool. Uh, I saw <laughs> something about surrogate, uh, like uh, an Indian uh, Indian surrogate house, basically, where white people send their semen and have these women carry their children for them. And, and it's in India? In India. Okay. And then they get shipped back somehow. I'm not okay. exactly sure. The baby sh- gets shipped? Sure does. That's well, real? you probably have to go get it, I, I'd assume. Wow. Um, How do they get the semen over there? This you know? really exists, though. And, <laughs> on, on boats, dude. <laughs> and so, all, so, and so, so, sorry. <laughs> Come on, give me a semen. How are you sure? That <laughs> I know you got something semen no, over there. I was going to say. I was going to say. <laughs> so you're not sure exactly how the process works. No, I'm exactly sure how the process works. No, like naan, like Indian food. Oh, <laughs> man. That was over puns. So you should have let, yeah, let that go, and listeners at home would get that, and like, like, you'd yeah. get your recognition. Count you know? the puns. Can That's you count fair. all of Jonah's That's puns? Yeah, that was too self-touting, I think. <laughs> yeah, you're right, you're right. But anyway, the semen goes to India, and since they're dealing with like in vitro and all this weird type of fertilization stuff, there's often twins and triplets. But right. The white people never ordered twins and triplets. They only ordered one. So there's literally like extra babies that come out of this that you can just buy on the black market. And (laughs) I mean, it's one of the worst fucking things. So the thing that I keep thinking about, though, is like, what if some guy just out of nowhere, you're living like a normal life, right? And all of a sudden you're like, fuck, I'm just losing my mind. I'm going fucking crazy. Why? I feel loose. I feel mad. I feel what the fuck is happening. And you just start losing control of your life. And you think maybe it's like mental illness. It's this stuff. But maybe it's really like this lost surrogate twin you had who's going through some fucked up shit somewhere else. Because apparently this connection with twins is very real. I believe that. And I wonder if so and how often that's happened in life. That's crazy to think. Yeah. Wow, man. Yo, this is what happens to me at night. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, but like, you know, even if you don't tell your kids they might have a twin, like, do you say like, you know, how was I born? Well, I well. sent my sperm <laughs> to a circuit house. Well, check out this India. website. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that Via was the boat. story of that. Be like, um, your mom... <laughs> Was a 47-year-old Indian woman who has carried 120. <laughs> you, know, you know what also this made me think of? If you're buying a baby in the black market, do you yeah. think there's like room to haggle? Or is it like a set oh, price? Absolutely room to haggle. Yeah. Because the last thing they want is extra babies. <laughs> right. So in part of this documentary thing, there was actually, they were because they were trying to expose it. I mean, that was part of it. And uh, they actually went to a dinner with one of these baby dealers. They start talking about money and price. And they were holding a baby this whole time. And they're like, do you want this one? $3,000. Literally like a fucking purse. I fucking hate people. Yeah. 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 
So that happened. That's insane. That happened. And as a parent, I can assume this angers you. Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 I mean, fuck that. I'm, again, fuck people. Like, I don't mean to be sitting here callously laughing, too, about the idea of hitting someone with a bus or anything like that. Or, um, you know, like joking about, like, the fact that people are having babies in that way, like, or that there's that kind of trait exists. Like, that's just fucked up. But, you know, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, well, whatever. These are the dark realities of the world. All of us fucking... Yeah need meditation or weed or whatever the fuck you do i think that's the common language though talking about that you know is like coping with that like being being aware of all those things and then like you develop that way to talk like cynically and sarcastically and like that kind of dark sense of humor um is like you know that's like that's why we get along huh it is i was just even thinking that there have been many recent a recent night and like you said, we didn't hang out that much back in the day. Mm-hmm. You're doing your own thing. I stayed over there because I was a little scared of you at that time because you weren't that nice. <laughs> it's okay. But you're like awesome. <laughs> cool, cool. And so for the last couple of years, we have had very like deep. It's not like comical conversation we have when we're sitting there getting stoned. It's like pretty deep. Right. Yeah. Some pretty uh-huh. good shit. I yeah. think we've tackled some good topics. Easy rapport. I remember one with you and Ingo where I was stressing you guys to be a little more righteous, a little more less divisive against the other side and a little more welcoming because I'm trying to preach unity and less divisiveness. That's what's going on now. This is like my new thing. (laughs) We were in a backstage and I was desperately trying to get you guys to think about like what it's like to be like a shitty conservative kind of. Okay. And you guys both being like more hardline punk than me. We're both like, nah, fuck that. That Like we're fighting this shit. (laughs) And I'm like, yo guys, sun and the stars and the whales, let's talk. (laughs) The way the earth moves forward is by coming together, you know, and that kind of shit. Do you like... This is have, really what happens backstage, yeah. by the way. Yeah. And after a couple years of smoking weed now, do you think you're getting closer to the sun and the moon and the whales? Or are you still like, fuck those people who think that? This was actually going somewhere. Like with conservatives? If, yeah, yeah, like yeah. With, like, uh, like you, you, are you just talking even generally like between left-wing, right-wing politics and everything like that? Um, yeah, I would say so. And like, like, do you think going through what you've gone through in the last couple of years and... The fact that you found something that helps you mellow out and be able to like. I I mean, I can tell you like I can argue in very black and white ways, but that I have never seen the world in a black and white way that I understand like that you really have to take everything on a case by case basis. And you like that that there are no absolutes in any situation, you know, really. Um, And like try to take everything like as it comes at me you know like i love to passionately argue politics and and ha- and like be like no this is the only way something can be but at the same time like i understand like that there's a difference oftentimes between the way life works and political theory sure but it's sort of not in even a political sense like sort of what you're saying to laura like don't you feel like after you whatever you do for anxiety whether you smoke weed like i feel like if i leave yoga or meditation i have a good session like i'm walking down the street instead of everyone being like an obstacle in my way to like get around i'm like oh this person's like me they're just like trying to do something they're going to visit someone they like 
it's really weird how it can it's so easy to get so blinders like everything revolves around me everything that's in my way is just a distraction yeah no 100 percent. and really like i had that breakthrough probably in um 2014 where i completely changed the way i like just even carry myself through the world on like a like first thing i do when i get on a plane is i make friends with the flight attendants and like you know like i i put myself out there with people and i like him in open in a way that I never was before that's like that kind of mentality you know of just like trying to connect with people you know it's it's interesting though because I mean it's like you know <clears throat> I want to last... know something though how do you connect with a grouchy flight attendant I don't know they all just like you Dude, know there, there's a way off you <laughs> <laughs> one time I, asked, I came on a flight and a flight test I asked a flight attendant how she was doing and she was like no one's asked me how I'm doing all day Asked for my seat number and just sent me free drinks the whole flight. Like, yeah, like, I mean, yeah. it really? moves yep. you to be cool to yeah. flight attendants. Yeah. No, no, I learned that a long time it ago. It's wild. Just, sometimes it's almost impossible. Yeah, it can. Some be. of them are just so overwhelmed. They and got so the walls grouchy. Yeah. because yeah. their job is easier without <clears throat> chit chat. I, I could understand. In the same way, everyone's like, "Why are security guards such dicks?" Mm-hmm. But they're dicks because the second you're nice, a hundred people try to take advantage. Yeah, of you. yeah like you right. kind of have to keep that wall up, or else your job is just harder right but do you think like i i've found with myself that just going through very real experience in my own life has given me the the option of even seeing things on another side like i didn't see it as much until i dealt with some stuff where like i'll, I'll take this as a as an example where <clears throat> not long after and you were on the tour and you actually watched it happen my mother died right in basically the middle of a tour we were on the beginning even. Yeah. yeah and um i went right back out on tour the day after the funeral because i had to you know i need to work i can't get myself out of it and i remember one morning we were in montreal on that tour i was getting up super early not sleeping getting off the bus and walking walking six hours literally through the city before sound check and i remember one morning I've always had a bit of a chip on my shoulder when I see a young homeless person. When I see a young, physically fine, mentally fine homeless person, I'm like, there is always a part of me that's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I work hard. Other people work hard to keep themselves out of the situation. I realized it was shitty, but I had a bit of a feeling like that. And it took... Me being on an edge, such an edge, walking around this city going like, you know what? If I didn't have my band right now, if I didn't have the support I have, if I didn't have my wife, if I didn't have this shit, I can see how this could happen to me. Mm -hmm. I can see if you had no outlet for this, that you could, your life could spin to a point where you could find yourself in that situation. And it made me like be able to, like I was on, I was hanging on such an edge that I was finally able to like empathize with somebody who was able to like get to that other side sure i say that all basically trying to make the reference like do you feel the last couple years when you've like come into this like new way of looking at things like if without having a daughter without going through the things you went through to get where you are is it even possible to get to that point i mean no you know i can't imagine i like I had to go through the things that I got through to be the person I am and to have the like perspective that I have. And like, 
um, of course, you know, like that all those lessons were equally important and that you do learn as you go, you know, like and you have those moments of being on those edges, you know, um, and <clears throat> I don't know. It's like, you know, like I've, I've been that homeless person, you know, like I've been that homeless person who also chose to be homeless because they weren't working, you know, but I've also been in that situation beyond my control, too, you know, right. um, and it's just like. You, life takes you to crazy places and you learn things you think you wouldn't have learned and, and things you thought, you know, again, were absolutes are not the case, you know, right. and uh, I'm, I'm thankful for that. You know, I'm thankful to have gotten to it at a pretty early age too, only 26. So that's no. good. <laughs> Dees, no. you beat me. 35. I'm 35. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Right All right, that was a podcast with Laura Jane Grace. And, that was. Um, thank you again to Laura for coming by. Thanks to her publicist, Tito, for hooking this up. Tito is the man. Uh, Clarion Call PR. If you need your PR done, hit up Tito. Call, call Tito. Call Tito. Although, I'll be honest, Tito's pretty selective. He's got a pretty good roster, so don't be offended if uh, he, he won't take you take on. He doesn't take your call. <laughs> he actually... Uh, yeah, don't be offended if he doesn't take your call. Uh, t- <laughs> or you could just say your friend at Jonah Bears. Yeah. But, like, don't bug him unless your band's, like, actually cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, another shout-out. What we're doing shout-outs to uh, so- sometimes guest host who does all the artwork for Lauren Against Me. Chris Norris, a.k.a. Steak Mountain. Yeah. Hit him up. You can definitely hire him to do some work for you. And he, he doesn't care. He-, he won't like your band anyways. <laughs> so it doesn't make a difference. He's not discerning at all. He will hate it. But he'll make cool art. Yeah, he will. Um, anyways, uh, yeah. If you enjoyed this podcast, you want to support us, you can donate a dollar um, on goingofftrack.com to support our server costs. That'd be very cool. Um, you can also just leave us a nice review on iTunes. Um, give us a bunch of stars if that's a thing. I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff, Facebook. And uh, yeah, thanks again to Laura for coming by. And uh, yeah, we'll be back with another great podcast next week, won't we, Brad? I hope so. I hope so, too. I hope we're still around to do this. I hope we're still around next week. I have a feeling we will be. You. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.